0: Welcome to Incognito, the podcast, where I converse with interesting guests from a variety of fields and disciplines about how they foster inclusive workplaces and communities. On today's show, I found myself in yet another fun and playful conversation with a creator who makes an enormous difference in the lives of disadvantaged youth and, dare I say, society in general. Although she may not describe it as such, and yet there is some data that suggests it is fact... Josie's work is helping change the lives of youth at risk in a world where most often we don't even acknowledge their existence. You will once again hear about the importance of storytelling and play and how these ideas transcend so many boundaries. It is the persistence and consistency in her work that will no doubt inspire us all to rise to another level of proximity. So, get ready to play. Welcome to Incognito, the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fosberg, and with me today is Josie Whittlesey. Josie is the founding executive director of Drama Club, a nonprofit whose mission is to consistently care for youth who are incarcerated and court involved by creating space for them to thrive using improv as their guide. Drama Club is committed to providing New York City's most vulnerable and overlooked youth the opportunity to play, be seen and heard and cultivate life skills via improvisational theater. Josie has taught acting, scene study, public speaking, and text analysis at Fordham University, New York University, Montclair State University, Nassau Community College, Purchase College SUNY, Larry Singer Studios, Sing Sing Correctional Facility, Woodburn Correctional Facility, GEMS, and Ravenswood Community Center. She holds an MFA from New York University's Graduate Acting Program, Josie welcome to the podcast thank you (laughs) yes you seem a little tickled to hear your bio read just i'm just saying just saying i want to start right there of course i i always start there with the guests because i mean we start there i read the bio first thing and it and there's two things for me i don't know about for you but two things that happen to me when someone reads my bio to introduce me to do a presentation and that's one i'll go wow and then two i'll go ooh it it feels a little bit weird i don't know about you and and then three i think oh my gosh they're judging me based on this bio now i think you know it's impressive it's a very impressive bio um, but it doesn't really say a lot about who you really are as as an individual and so as always i'm curious you know how do you perceive yourself in in the world what you know how would you describe yourself what are what are the identities that are core to who you are
1: Oh, wow. Well, I was thinking the reason I was giggling.
0: Yes. Talk about that first. I
1: was um, I was hanging out on Sunday with uh, a really good friend of mine who I met while I was teaching at Sing Sing. And she's like 77 years old. She's very petite. Wow. She looks very frail, but she opens her mouth and you're like, oh, my God. But anyway, (laughs) we were joking. We were walking down the street and. I was, I don't know how it came up, but I said, Linda, you know, I'm still like 16 years old. You know that, right? She was like, I'm 17. You know what I mean? We were joking out. Internally, like, that's what we feel like. And then we look in the mirror and we're like, oh my God, you know? So I guess the 16 year old in me is like, "Hee hee!" like, I have everyone fooled, you know? Um, (laughs) Which then made me laugh. But But then it's also like, so bios are so cold and like sterile to me, you know? Yes. Um, Well,
0: you know, it's a list of our accomplishments, but does it really say much about who we are? No. Yeah. Yeah. I love though that you see yourself as a 16 or 17 year old, because I'm, I'm, my next question is curious to ask, like, is the work that you do, does that make you feel young?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I... You know, I mean, I I know I'm not actually 16 years old, but I feel that way. You know, I I feel like I have the energy of that and curiosity. And, you know, I love working with adolescents and young adults because I feel, you know, there's part of me that's like, oh, great. This is fun. We're going to play.
0: Yeah. So I guess you sort of see yourself as, I mean, in some ways, as a kid, you get to play. You just use the word play. I get to play. I love to play. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's what has drawn me to theater.
0: Absolutely. So can you tell listeners a little bit about the play, the play that you do? The And I'm not speaking of the the, the piece of writing as a play. I'm talking about the play that you engage in with um, youth, incarcerated youth, Sing Sing, wherever else, you know, could you could you tell listeners about that?
1: Sure. So funnily enough, our play involves no writing at all. Uh-huh. Um so Drama Club serves youth in New York City who are incarcerated and court involved and um it's we started working behind bars. I so, saw to back up a little bit I worked with adults in the system uh-huh. first at Sing Sing Woodburn because I had wanted to work with youth but I couldn't find anybody in New York working with youth and at that point I was still an actor and I really just wanted a volunteer job. And in my searching for somebody doing theater with youth who were incarcerated I found another amazing organization called Rehabilitation Through the Arts that works with adults. So I was like, well, I'll just try that out. And I found myself spending a lot of time at Sing Sing, which is a maximum security men's prison. I didn't know anything about this world at all, except that my dad had been incarcerated briefly before I was born. Wow. Um, but I And I didn't know much about that experience, except that it was a a foundational experience for him, you know, wow. and who he was. Mm. But I didn't make that connection till like years later. Anyway, at Sing Sing, it was, they have like a whole arts program. They have like year round theater programming. And then once a year they do these plays, written Uh plays. Uh And so the first year that I was there that they did a play, I got cast as like the Demi Moore part in A Few Good Men. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) So obvious. and you know when you when when you go to I'm sorry I'm totally going off on a random tangent. That's you know, great. That's great. Um, when you go to teach at Sing Sing, you know it's like a whole process, right? You have to go security and da da da, and you go to the school building, and then you go in the classroom, and you have like a pretty short amount, like maybe an hour twenty minutes, and then they ring the bell and they're like civilians out. You have to be like, oh my god, I got to get out. <laughs> um, so there's not a ton of time to to have like meaningful conversations cause you're trying to like deliver your lesson plan and say hi to everyone and make sure everyone feels like seen. And, but when I started doing the, when I did uh, a few good men, I was all of a sudden having like a lot more downtime and hearing stories and, and getting to know the guys. And so I, I, I did a second play. I, the next year they did our town. I was in that it was one of the moms and, um, I remember some of the guys. I got to know them pretty well, and they were like, "Why are you here all the time? Like, what are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> they felt comfortable enough to ask me. And I had told them about my you know my quest to really work with youth in the system. and then they were like, "You have to do that. And I was like, "There's nobody in New York doing it. And they were like, "You have to do it. Wow. They- and I was a little bit like, but I'm an actor, but I, but I, you know, at that point, I think my life had shifted enough through the work that I was like, I don't think I can go back to that. Mm. You know, I describe wow. it sometimes as like a door open for me that I just couldn't close again. Yeah. I think one of them even said to me something like, can you see what you see here and not do anything? Mm. I was like, no. No. Anyway, so I started, uh, you know, look, looking for where are these kids incarcerated? It actually was really challenging finding. I didn't know the names of the detention centers. I didn't know they, where they were. I didn't know at that point what jurisdiction they were under. You know, it's like mm. so it took me a while. <clears throat> and then I finally got this woman on the phone. Um And she said, I'm sorry, we don't have any money. I kind of said, I want to do some theater, you know, I don't have any money. And I just blurted, I don't even know why I knew this lingo. It was a total lie. But I went, I'm fully funded, (laughs) which (laughs) was a total lie. My (laughs) bank
0: account. And she was like, oh,
1: okay. (laughs) And she literally was like, do you want to meet me on the corner of like Utica and Eastern Parkway? And I was like, okay. And then she like picked me up in a car and drove me to Crossroads Juvenile Center. Wow. And then the party began. Um, but very quick, so you know, I I brought all this experience from working at Sing Sing, you know, I'd been there for two years and spent a lot of time there and um just made a lot of assumptions and that just, you know, did not translate. So so
0: What 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 kind of things are you talking about?
1: Well. So one of the biggest, the reason I say we don't use written the written word is because <clears throat> pretty quickly. So I was like, I brought in script for the first summer, and we did like a workshop, and we did a staged reading, and then we moved on to the next project, and then I was like, actually, one of the staff members pulled me aside because there was this amazing kid. We do the warm up games and everything; he was amazing, and then he would just jet as soon as we sat with the script. And she finally pulled me aside, and she was like, "You know, he can't read, right?" Um, yeah. And then I started seeing it everywhere once, once. And I'm embarrassed that I didn't, didn't notice it right away, wow. you know, but there was definitely varied levels of literacy. And I, I thought we can't do this. I yeah. can't, this has to be, this is an inclusive playful thing. Like, yeah. so I wasn't like an improv expert. I'd done some classes, yeah. um, but I just turned to that. Cause I was like, I got to keep these kids. I want to keep them engaged. I want it to be fun. You know? and they love improv so that was like one major difference right Uh um and then i think the other major difference for me is it really does feel like in the prison system uh, it does feel us versus them in terms of the correctional officers and the inmates and you know
0: yes uh, yes
1: i'm not going to get too into it but i i think that the well, people who are housed I, there are not necessarily treated with giving the human dignity that you know i think every human deserves do you know
0: what I mean absolutely and i don't i don't necessarily need you to throw anybody or anything under the bus but i'm just curious so how did you break down those barriers because you are a them you're coming in you're them to, to to those who are in the prison right we're this is us and you're coming in and you're them you're the other how did you break down the barrier? Oh
1: wow, that's meant... a whole conversation.
0: Yeah, well, we're having it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, well, I came in under the umbrella of an organization that had already earned the trust of the men. Ah, okay. So there's that, but yeah, but is, you, but, like... but but
0: but when you went to the youth uh, incarcerated places, you did right. not, right?
1: Right. Exactly. And so I came in with the assumption that the staff were really kind of like the bad guys, you know, or like not looking out for the kids or, yeah. you know, um, and I was like very wrong about that. Um, really? Yeah. It's mostly women from the same neighborhoods that the kids are from. Wow. They are, some of them are so bonded with those kids. Wow i feel like a not everybody i mean there's there's i mean there's sure. bad there's bad shit that happens in these places too but yeah. um for the most part you're looking at people that really wanted to make a difference in these kids lives that's why they got involved having said that there is i describe i describe it as this intense malaise everyone's burned out everyone's had their heart broken you know what i mean and so yeah. there's this kind of um exhaustion in uh-huh. the system which yeah. can be when you come in as a as a newcomer can be seen as people not caring for the kids. Right. Yeah. So I think that was like a huge difference for me. And I wish I hadn't come in with that assumption.
0: So, but you, let me see if I got this right. So you came in to this situation sort of under the umbrella of the staff that was there and hoping that that would, um, that trust that the staff had with the, uh, the youth there would sort of flow over to you as well.
1: No, I didn't even know about the trust that was between the staff. Ah, the okay. So I okay. just so, came in blindly. So, I came in blindly, bringing so, all the history I had from Sing Sing with me, Sure,
0: sure. sure. Um, so tell us then how did you how did you go about establishing trust with the youth there? Um and i I we can we can get even deeper. we can talk. I mean, you for listeners, you are a white woman and mm-hmm. you're walking into a situation which I'm guessing is predominantly um youth of color. Mm Mm-hmm. Ninety, 96%. 96%. How did you get them to trust you? And how did you build the bridge?
1: I'm going to back up a little bit because I had this experience at Sing. So, you know, I think I've had a lot of time to think about my race, which I think not every white person has to do that. That's, that's correct. When I worked at Sing Sing, it was a hundred percent. Uh, no, there I think there was one guy, one white guy at one point, but it's like almost hundred percent with the group that I worked with, black and brown, right? Sure. Just like and um I got I got like really I felt strangely very comfortable working with those men and really felt embraced and it was like a, one of the best teaching experiences I've ever had. And I felt like part of the gang, you know. And then I remember once we were having this group conversation and all of a sudden one of them went, Whoa, 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 can we talk about this right now? Because Josie's white. And I was like, Wow, I am. Right? What does that mean? What? What does it matter? And I was like, my feelings were hurt. And I, and I went home and thought about it. It took me a while to do some thinking about it. And then, and then I was like, Oh, my God, I, I am I am white. I'm not just the norm. I'm do you you know what i mean yeah
0: yeah yeah. you're you're the other in that situation
1: i was the other and Mm -hmm. then also i'm a white person so you have to think about what that means and i feel like in america we don't really have to think about that
0: that's correct
1: unless you maybe you work in these situations and all of a sudden you you have to think about that and what you're bringing with you right and then i started really thinking about what kind of assumptions were people making about me yeah and um so i i am so appreciative for that experience because it helped wake me up you know and so when i went into this situation where not only the kids but also the staff are all black and brown Mm. you know um i noticed the staff sometimes would give me an authority that i hadn't earned wow and i pushed it back on that You know, I, I was like, I, you, you are here with these kids all the time. You know, much more about them. All the only thing that I have expertise on in the situation is it's theater. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And
1: so I started, you know, leaning, you know, like really letting, including the staff, asking them to help me following their lead, trusting how they were, you know what I mean? And so I think that was my way in and I, I needed them, you know, I, I, And just being very, just being very conscientious about, you know, that I was bringing in, I was bringing in a lot of baggage just with the color of my skin. Yeah. You know, because a lot of these kids see a white person and when they have experience with white people, it's usually the judge, the lawyer. Right. Maybe the cop, right? In their communities, that's not who they're seeing. Maybe, maybe the teachers in the schools. Yeah. Yeah so there's a lot of baggage i bring with me yeah and so i have to work actively against that you know i have to compensate
0: you know sure yeah so so it was a little bit of the staff that that really helped you yeah form a bridge and then i'm assuming it was well i i don't know what to assume i i guess doing the work that you're doing which we both know can be very liberating and freeing and can allow youth in this particular case but adults as well to explore in ways that they're not normally allowed to explore i'm assuming that that also helped open the door for a a building a a trust bridge
1: a hundred percent yeah i think actually play is one of the best ways to build trust yeah We all know how to do it. We all want to do it. Yeah. It's innate. Yeah. It just transcends so many boundaries. So I, you know, making a truly playful space is really what's going to build trust with both staff and the kids.
0: That's fantastic.
1: Yeah.
0: So, I mean, you have talked a little bit of about variety of things here i want to ask you if you can share with listeners a particular situation a particular challenging situation that you were confronted with that required unifying efforts on your part and and, you know and how you overcame that challenge by bringing people together can you think of a, a particular time in which um perhaps things were going off the rails and um and you were able to bring people back together to make everybody feel like, hey, we're all in this together.
1: The thing that just popped into my head was I was following the model of the organization that worked with adults in that they're year-round. Mm-hmm. And so I showed up at the kind of in the spring of 2013 or early summer of 2013 at crossroads. I was going like two days a week. And the director of programming there i just feel like did not like me for whatever reason and i think you know it's an i think it was annoying for the staff <laughs> they're like "On oh, the drama ladies here oh my god it's like more work <laughs> you know um but the the show that we did at the end of the summer was so beautiful it was so and the, the kids were radiant and beautiful and everyone felt really good about it and everyone felt successful about it and uh. um i think the the staff could see, you know, the wonderful thing that happens when we do shows is the staff get to see the kids in a new light.
0: Yeah.
1: They see the kids in really bad, you know, circumstances. And they see the kids, they're with the kids when they're really freaking out. And, you know, sure. um, and so it's I think it's rewarding for everybody to see these kids get up and shine and succeed. And people are clapping and they're having fun. And it's like this really joyous experience. And I, the, the director of programming actually at that time saw a rehearsal and was like, oh, I think we should invite some of the kind of the bigger brass from Manhattan to come out and add ACS, which Administration for Children's Services, ACS, which has jurisdiction over the juvenile centers in, in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we waited for some people from ACS to come. And it was so, it was just so amazing. And so I really felt like, here we go. And then the facility was like, great, you're done. Like, are you going to come back next year? <laughs> <laughs> like, no i want this to be year-round i want to and they were like no that's not gonna that's not gonna work and um i'm gonna backtrack a little bit i had one of the kids in in the who've been with me all summer was this amazing kid and he every day that i showed up he said oh wow i thought you were not gonna come back <laughs> this went on for like three months and finally i was like i come twice a week i always come when i say i'm gonna come like i you know And then when they said that to me, like, are you going to come back next year? I thought this kid, and I knew he'd been sentenced. So I knew he was about to go upstate. And I I thought, my God, he's right. He's right. (laughs) He turned out to be right. I I was really upset. It took about a month. I can't remember why, why it was. I think I just bugged and bugged and bugged and bugged. And, you know, and finally they were like, oh, my God, this woman is so annoying. Like, she won't leave us alone. Like, let her back in. And I thank God saw him before he went upstate and he saw me and he said I knew you were coming back
0: wow
1: and and that was my first like major major victory um because he learned that he could rely on someone you know that there were adults in his life that would be consistent and that's you know that lesson that consistency lesson is so it's one of our core core values it's in our mission statement we show up consistently and if you can't if they if you can't get to the kids, then you ask the staff to do like I call it a drive by where you walk by the housing unit and you wave <laughs> through the glass. So they just know that you were there. Huh. Um, there's a lot of so you ask like how did how did I bring people together? Yeah. I centered the youth. I, you always have to center the youth. I centered that kid. I knew I just wanted to see him and let him know that I was going to come back. And then there's a lot of like in this work, and it's not always because people don't want you there per se, but everyone, as I said, is tired and burned out. And there's a lot of just very kind, persistent headbanging that needs to happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. I, get, I understand I can't go to the housing unit. Can I can I walk by the housing unit say hi? Oh, can I go to the other housing unit? What about this? What about that? You know, you just have to keep, uh, you know?
0: You have to be persistent.
1: Extreme, extreme. Mm.
0: Yeah, could you could you explain for listeners when you say center the youth, you had to center the youth. How did what 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 is that? What do you, what do you mean when you?
1: For for me, that just means like holding them at the center of the mission of what I'm doing.
0: Great, great, yeah. thank you. And so I'm just curious to when the powers that be came in to see this. Uh, and then you were like yeah i want to do this year round they're like no way D- did they did they not see the value
1: i think oh uh, no i think they definitely saw the value there's just this sense of transience that mm. permeates this whole system ah kids are in and out and going upstate and going home and coming back and staff there's a high staff turnover and so
0: wow
1: this idea of something that's like super consistent and and um, I, I like to say low and slow, low and slow, um, <laughs> is not really of the culture.
0: Mm, sure.
1: Um, yeah.
0: You know, there's a thing. Uh, oftentimes in the DE and I spaces, they talk about um, we talk about um, measuring the change or measuring the the, the transition. I don't know a, a lot about that part of the, of the DE and I space, because I, frankly, I find that so difficult to quantify.
1: Mm-hmm. I,
0: I'm wondering if that exists in, in, in what you're doing, if they're, if they're looking for some sort of measurement or if it's really about what you said about the culture, that's just so transient, or maybe it's both.
1: You mean, are you asking me like, are they looking for measurement of the success of our program? Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Everybody is. Yeah. Painful topic for me because it's so yeah. hard. To,
0: yeah, it's hard to measure. Did,
1: yeah, it's very hard to do. We did, however, um, we had a, hired a consultant this spring to look at our program behind bars, and they really thought they could help us. So we were like, okay, we're going to try this, and we did get some data. And the data basically was, you know, we looked at social emotional learning, which is a big, yes, yeah, uh, yeah, big mm-hmm. thing in this space, and. It was very validating to me. It said if if kids worked with us for 7 or less classes, there was a 10% increase in social emotional learning. If they worked with us for 8 or more classes, it was a 56% increase in social emotional learning.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> yeah.
1: Which speaks to that consistency.
0: Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And
1: I'm in. Which I have felt for years, but it's really hard. You know, I can say that to a funder, I can say that to an agency and be like, look, I just noticed in the classroom, you know. <laughs> They're like, uh-huh. But it's it's so good to have numbers behind that. And it's a significant difference. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's terrific. I wanna ask you, and I'm 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 almost sure I know what the answer is already. <laughs> but I wanna ask you outside of the prison walls. <laughs> How do you go about bringing people together? Is it play? Are there other ways in which you bring people into your lair or whatever? How, how do you get them to buy in that they're a part of this? They're included. Whether it's the folks that work with you who go to the prisons and do this, or whether it's other people outside and perhaps the theater community or or elsewhere.
1: Oh, Wow that's a really good question this is a (laughs) well I storytelling is Uh, probably the biggest piece because we mm -hmm. can't share pictures or videos of these kids Mm -hmm. protected population every once in a while we can bring the odd donor in Um, most people don't want to (laughs) go
0: yeah
1: they're hard these places are hard to get to and then it's like during work hours and you know and most people are like not really dying to go to a jail um so storytelling is a big piece of this there isn't i've been working with a friend of mine who's a communications person he's been pro bono working with me to figure out who are who the people that that kind of form the circle around drama club who those people are and there is an element with a lot of our donors of this kind of vague knowledge that there's like a second city in new york right where There's two cities, I should say there's, you know, there's the city that of Manhattan where, you know, we're creative artists and doctors and finance people. And we're all like gunning it. And, you know, um, and then there's this then there's another city in New York, which, you know, deals with pretty intense poverty and Uh, um, violence. And, you know, not that those things necessarily go together, but, you know, under-resourcement, you know what I mean? They're yes, not re- yes. not resourced.
0: Inequality, right? Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. de- it really intensely. Socially, um, economically. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of our donors sort of vaguely know that, but it's not in focus. Mm. And it, I have the most success when I can bring that into focus for people. Mm. I tap them and I'm like, you know, this is here. This is I'm going to bring it into focus for you, you know? And then people are, it's hard to look away when you can see it.
0: Letting them know about the other city, about the other New York
1: yeah and even like telling stories that are super relatable about the kids that live in the other new york or even introducing them to somebody who lives in the other new york Yes, and then we all are like oh there's not that really that much difference at all (laughs) i mean and as soon as that happens people are bought in
0: yeah yeah well of course i can relate very strongly to the storytelling aspect of all of this because um, that's what i do and also i myself spent a little time in uh, a maximum correctional facility in Los- in california not not i wasn't incarcerated <laughs> i i went in um i'm breaking my anonymity here as a member of alcoholics anonymous and okay uh, and we would uh we would go in and have meetings in, mm-hmm. uh, uh, in these facilities and basically a meeting is like a storytelling experience because each person gets an opportunity to tell their story right and it just really for those who uh, gradually opened up and whatnot. It was just a really, you know, cathartic experience for, for mm-hmm. everybody. So I, I get mm-hmm. it. It's it's really great. So if you, and I, sorry, I'm trying to nail you down on this, if you could recommend one thing to listeners that could act as a catalyst for a more inclusive society, or perhaps, you know, just the workplace, what would that be it could be a lesson a, a tool a step a rule a story whatever what 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 do you think you could recommend one thing i know it's hard to but
1: i actually i think i have an answer for this proximity
0: proximity explain
1: so one of my heroes is brian stevenson who uh, wrote ask mercy and yes i've heard him speak multiple times every time he comes to new york and speaks i find my you know i go yeah. I so inspiring It'll,
0: very inspiring
1: and Big, he yeah. he i'm a buddhist i'm a Nitran buddhist mm. uh, he came to my pre-covid obviously uh my buddhist center does peace a peace series talk so people come in they don't have to be buddhist people just come in and talk about their work if they're working kind of in the, the peace world you know yeah he he it was so beautiful that talk and he said um one of the things that we have to do is we have to make ourselves proximate it's it's kind of what I was just storytelling is is a great way to become proximate right. But I was sort of what I was just talking about like you know if you meet these kids right you're gonna see that they're like your own kids right. If you you know we 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 have these community um, shows and so some of the kids are formerly incarcerated and some are just from the community and. You know, we don't identify anybody, but people love those shows because they get to hang out with the kids, and then they, you know, sometimes form relate. You know what I mean? Or that sounds yeah. awful. But, you know, you see meet, meet a kid, and then you're like, he's at the next show, and you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, he's a cat, you know, and then you're then you know, it's proximity. And so it's harder to say, oh, that world over that neighborhood over there where I would never go. And, you know, I don't have to think about the youth there and whatever lies we tell ourselves. Right. But when we come together and we meet each other and we we see that we have way more in common than we have not in common.
0: Oh, singing my
1: praises there. Yes. Love it. Then then we care. Then it becomes then it becomes a personal issue for us. That's proximity. And then we do something.
0: Yes. That is my I mean, that's my the focus of the work is we have more in common than we have different. Those that's a fact. It's a fact.
1: It's a it's absolutely a fact.
0: Yeah. And yeah. yet we allow those differences to get in the way. Yeah. They build walls And are so
1: the differences are tiny and few that's in between. Right. That's and right. I don't know why we focus on them so much, but we do.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's to some degree. I almost think we're hardwired in that. Degree. I think we are. Yeah.
1: It becomes like a safety. I'm putting I'm doing air quotes. Right. We right. think it's safety or whatever. We tell ourselves these narratives but proximity blows that up.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's that's terrific. Thank you for that. Um, okay, so <laughs> you, I know we, we talk about a little bit about, um, we all sort of perceive different things and I appreciate like you um, explaining proximity and um, centering youth and all those things. So we, we use words and we use them differently and we each have different um, uh, understandings of those words. And we have our own set of biases, which we would agree. Um, But if I were to ask you what it means to be authentic, how would you describe that? And what does that look like for you?
1: I guess I would say it was acting without ulterior motives of wanting Mm. wanting power or to be liked or it's letting your pure self, or I guess your Buddhahood, I would say, because I'm Buddhist, mm. your Buddhahood <laughs> lead you. It's actually super hard to do because we always sort of want, right? We want to be liked. We want to think people think we're smart. We want to be powerful. We want to be, you know. Yeah. But those are, if we can act without those things, I think that we're acting authentically. I think. Yeah. Am I going to regret saying that? I don't know. No, <laughs>
0: I don't think so. I don't think you are. I think that's a a really beautiful way to describe it. Yeah.
1: For me, you know, I love um, I love connecting with people. I just it's the driving force of my life. I love laughing with people and connecting with people. I love playing. I love you know. And so the things I just mentioned often get in the way of that. <laughs> Not that I don't do it, but it gets in the way. So when we can get those things out of the way, we can authentically connect. I mean, that's just. That's yeah.
0: it do you think those are things that you is it necessary for you when you walk into the a youth facility for you to explain that to the kids there or or they get it naturally
1: they get it naturally absolutely and they get it so fast
0: <laughs> wow
1: and I say that to people who are new I don't have to say it anymore because I think we're more established and really attracting people who really understand this work. But Mm -hmm. I always say to people like, don't front, like, don't go in and front Yeah, because they can sniff it immediately.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's often said about, uh, I don't know how much work you've done in children's theater, but it's often said that children are absolutely the best audiences because they can sniff right through that. They can tell whether you're fake or you're false or you're being honest and being authentic. So, yeah. Yeah, I cut my teeth in children's theater, so that's a good place to be. That means you're
1: tough as shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah. uh. no, I, I think you know they they make no they have no apology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some and the- I think you know yeah. pl- you know back to that connecting. Yeah, I actually don't have that many white teaching artists working for us for for a reason. Uh-huh. You know, but. Um, my role as the white teaching artist when I was teaching was sort of like, I'm going to be the uncoolest person here and I'm going to be the most excited person here. So that <laughs> no one else has to take that mantle you know to I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Um And I'll just I'll just take that and happily, you know what I mean? So that I'm yeah. really cool. But uh,
0: but it comes to you authentically.
1: It does come to me authentically, because yeah, authentically
0: I mean, we can just, we could just have our conversation today. Was...
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and everyone has their own, you know, superpowers of teaching artists. But uh, yeah. you know, when when I can do that successfully, then everyone can relax because I don't have to be the uncoolest person in the room because I've already done that. And then then they can enter play. Pretty uh. what's the word? Uh I can't think of the word. But anyway, it, it, you know, they're not. You're just gonna enter play and not think too much about it and then once you do that then everyone's just authentically yeah connected
0: they're not yeah. inhibited they're they're just free they just yeah,
1: that's the word yep yeah yeah they're uninhibited yeah yeah
0: yeah I had someone yesterday ask me the question like because I do shows like my I do shows for middle schools high schools colleges corporations all that kind of stuff someone said you know what is the differences between you know, doing it for a middle school or sixth graders, seventh graders and, you know, do adults or whatever. And I said, one of the biggest differences is that afterwards, when I, when I finished the play and we go into the talk back, like older students, college students, even high school students and adults, like it's like pulling teeth to get someone to ask the first question. A yeah. middle school, there's like <laughs> a thousand hands go up in the air right away because they, they're totally uninhibited. They're ready to ask a question right away. And I just love that. So. Yeah. Uh, this has been wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. I want to ask you one last question. Mm-hmm. And if you could share with listeners, can you recommend a book, a movie, a television show, a play, or something that has inspired you recently and why?
1: Recently, you know, I saw Strange Loop. Oh, yeah. On right. Broadway recently. Yeah. And it really blew my mind. Wow. Talk about authenticity yes. and curiosity and play and humor. Yes. And it, it's so beautiful. It is closing in January. So yes. before it closes, it's so good. I don't even like musical. I sort of hate musicals. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> I hate them. Um, I don't know why I hate them so much, but people kept telling me to go and I was like, eh, I don't want to be a musical. Um, and I finally went. It's so beautiful. And yeah. And the music's great, too. It's just so good. Um, but J- I just love his journey of just like drilling down on the authentic self. What is it? What, yeah. is, it? what is it? You know,
0: it's so good. One of my uh, previous guests, uh, E. Patrick Johnson, recommended that as well. Just oh, cool. Just couldn't be reading about it. So you're in good Yeah, 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 absolutely. Jesse, cool. thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you. It's been wonderful. I, I would love to do it again sometime.
1: Yeah, I loved your questions. They're really thought-provoking. Good.
0: Thanks again for listening to Incognito the Podcast. As always, we welcome your suggestions and encourage you to rate and comment in your podcast app. Rating and comments helps people find us and allows us to spread the word about this work. Also, big news on our end, you can find us on Instagram at incognitotheplay. Find us there, follow us, and hit us up with a question or comment. I'll be back again next week with yet another conversation that delves deeply into identity, authenticity, and ways in which we can create inclusive communities and workspaces.